Letter thirty nine of Moral Letters to Lucilius by Lucius and Nias Seneca, translated by Richard M. Gummier. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On Noble Aspirations I shall indeed arrange for you, in careful order and narrow compass, the notes which you request. But consider whether you may not get more help from the customary method than from that which is now commonly called a breviary though in the good old days when real latin was spoken it was called a summary the former is more necessary to one who is learning a subject the latter to one who knows it for the one teaches the other stirs the memory but i shall give you abundant opportunity for both a man like you should not ask me for this authority or that he who furnishes a voucher for his statements argues himself unknown i shall therefore write exactly what you wish but i shall do it in my own way until then you have many authors whose works will presumably keep your ideas sufficiently in order pick up the list of the philosophers that very act will compel you to wake up when you see how many men have been working for your benefit you will desire eagerly to be one of them yourself for this is the most excellent quality that the noble soul has within itself, that it can be roused to honorable things. No man of exalted gifts is pleased with that which is low and mean. The vision of great achievement summons him and uplifts him. Just as the flame springs straight into the air and cannot be cabined or kept down any more than it can repose in quiet, so our soul is always in motion and the more ardent it is, the greater its motion and activity. But happy is the man who has given it this impulse toward better things. He will place himself beyond the jurisdiction of chance. He will wisely control prosperity. He will lessen adversity and will despise what others hold in admiration. It is the quality of a great soul to scorn great things and to prefer that which is ordinary rather than that which is too great for the one condition is useful and life-giving, but the other does harm just because it is excessive. Similarly, too rich a soil makes the grain fall flat. Branches break down under too heavy a load. Excessive productiveness does not bring fruit to ripeness. This is the case with the soul also, for it is ruined by uncontrolled prosperity, which is used not only to the detriment of others, but also to the detriment of itself. What enemy was ever so insolent to any opponent as are their pleasures to certain men? The only excuse that we can allow for the incontinence and mad lust of these men is the fact that they suffer the evils which they have inflicted upon others. And they are rightly harassed by this madness, because desire must have unbounded space for its excursions if it transgresses nature's mean for this has its bounds but waywardness and the acts that spring from wilful lust are without boundaries utility measures our needs but by what standard can you check the superfluous it is for this reason that men sink themselves in pleasures and they cannot do without them when once they have been accustomed to them. And for this reason they are most wretched, because they have reached such a pass that what was once superfluous to them has become indispensable. 
and so they are the slaves of their pleasures instead of enjoying them. They even love their own ills, and that is the worst ill of all. Then it is that the height of unhappiness is reached, when men are not only attracted but even pleased by shameful things, and when there is no longer any room for a cure, now that those things which once were vices have become habits. Farewell. End of letter 39. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.